Podcast where we discuss horror movies featuring children. Because parenting can be scary. And kids are definitely creepy. Oh, hello, Josh. Hi, Carol. Hi, it's been so long, and life has just been happening and happening and happening and happening here... and happening and happening and happening. Here we are. Never stopping, never sleeping. <laughs> parenting. Yeah, that's correct. I it's been felt pretty full on October Halloween. And yet here we are still eating candy out of our children's candy uh Halloween bag. That's right. We had a fun size peanut M&Ms and a Kit Kat split two ways. Really just the full array of Halloween candy from one of the best to total garbage. Yeah, I the Kit Kat is too sweet. It's, yeah, I mean, I loved it as a kid, but come on now. It's just a little bit too sweet for me. I have no um, guilt or shame about rating the Halloween bag. I think it's a great way to teach kids about government, about <laughs> taxation, and also... Uh, you like... don't know what's happening until it's way too late. <laughs> <laughs> and that, well, no, that like the government might actually be protecting you with like regulations and stuff because we go through the bags like after they go to sleep we just like take out all the the smarties and like the actual garbage and the the loose candies the unwrappies in there (laughs) and you know luckily our kids are so little that they're still getting stuff at school that's like the annie's bunnies and the mott's chewies and sure your pretzels your pirate's booty it's all coming in the savory snacks <laughs> which i think is great i mean those spooky uh veggie potato chips oh yeah I like munchos they're great they're so good to love. yeah actually they're just it's a, just a crunchy thing it yeah. doesn't fulfill any other purpose and that's i'm fine with that yeah it's just a salty crunch that's all one needs one time it isn't it is very much just a ghost of a savory snack yeah and the, yeah you put you put it in the shape of a ghost, it's a little spooky. It's like really right up my alley. That's right. And it's just this, you know, it's the thing that you love, but it's a, in incorporeal form. Um, <laughs> if we were, do you have a, a favorite Halloween treat that you had this year? Oh, this year? Yeah. Or do you feel like you missed them all? Like that, okay, you're talking about one that I actually ate out of there. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um yeah no actually it wasn't out of their bag but it was from another child's bag very good (laughs) i was at a friend's house and she gave me a piece of her child's candy and it was so insane i don't remember what it's called but it was in the reese's verse um and it was like it was like a Reese's peanut butter cup, but then there were like mini Reese's pieces oh, yeah. in it. Yeah. But it wasn't the the shape of a cup. It was in a bar. Oh. Tiny fun size, of course, were not like part of that world where people give out full size candy bars. That's insane. And also not the spirit of the holiday at all. 
I think. It's a very unicorn-like thing. It's really classist. Um, (laughs) Just developed that opinion (laughs) two seconds ago. Um, But I always felt like it happened only in the places where kids didn't really go. So that's why they'd mm. be these like white whales where, and also by the way, a candy bar costs a dollar. That's insane. <laughs> and a big bag of Halloween candy costs like $30. So you're talking about like a hundred dollars to buy just like a flat of Snickers bars or something. What are you trying to prove? That like you're rich? Get over yourself. I think it is. I, that's what I'm saying. I think the people that tend to do it, it's not many kids are showing up. So you're laying down. So there's lonely. Like 30, 50 bucks on a couple of boxes of these candy bars. Oh, okay. And it's really not that big of a deal. Where um, an old coworker of mine who lives in Toluca Lake says they have to spend hundreds of dollars on Halloween candy every year. Yeah. Because it's like just rich enough of a neighborhood that people drive in. Right from outside of the area to go there right and they've like brought it on themselves with decorating and going all out well i also noticed this year i think there are just more decorations available well yes there's more of everything everything. yeah but meaning like it's much more like christmas where you can find blocks or like it's halloween block right this wasn't really happening we were kids no there'd be a jack-o'-lantern something else somebody might have a fun knocker or something at their door maybe someone's putting out some dry ice but otherwise, maybe a spooky record playing through the window. That's what we did. You know we did mm. it. Record player in the window playing those Halloween just spooky noises. And we were the hit of our block. I bet. Would people come asking you about it later? That kind of thing? Like, yeah, give know. me a copy of that tape. I was a child. Oh. I'll ask my parents. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to bootleg this for neighborhood kids? You should ask them that. I'm curious to know. But here we are. This is episode 10. I feel like uh, this is more monumental than we <laughs> made it out to be. Well, I'm proud of us. And Me too. we can celebrate. Okay. Um, double digits. And also... Um, double digit subscribers, too. It's really great. <laughs> <laughs> we thank you for listening, and we love each and every one of you. All right. Before we get to our movie, uh, I want to go to the mail room. <laughs> you almost were doing, oh, uh, crap. What's her name from Ghostbusters? Oh, yeah. Ghostbusters, what do you want? Before we get to our movie. <laughs> I wonder, uh, She's, I just like always think of designing women. And, and then I think about how Jean Smart was on de- designing women, too. And she's like, what a career. Ugh. Let's not even go down the Gene Smart road. Yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll turn this into a Watchmen podcast <laughs> at a different timeline. <laughs> Once we catch up, which is really looking pretty grim. That's true. I'm telling you, life is like 100 MPH right now. Um, I want to talk to you. I want to go to the mailroom. Okay. And I want to do a little uh, opossum update. Oh, please do. <laughs> okay, so uh, listener and really inspiration of the pod, Maggie. Hi, Maggie. She wrote in and had to set us straight about our opossum fear. Why is it opossum? And discussed. Okay, opossums and possums are not the same animal. <sighs> um, 
they're in the same order. Okay. Of same kingdom. Uh, uh, the same order of a hundred species, but possum. The word possum in Australia is refer- is like a totally different thing. Like we use the words interchangeably, but they're not really. Um. In Australia, it's different. Well, Australians are people too. Mm, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um. Okay, so she was uh, writing in to tell us that they're incredible animals. And so I looked it up, and sure enough, there's a really great mental floss listicle here. Um, I'm just going to tell you a few things about the opossums. Okay. I do now have possum shock. I, every time I walk up to the compost bin, I will open the lid very gingerly mm. and look for movement. Yeah. Or light catching the eyes of the creature. <laughs> good. Or a good, uh, I don't know, what is it? Kind of snake-like tail swinging around in there? Yeah, yeah. which is actually, they use it like another appendage. Mm, gross. Yeah. they're Okay, first of all, they're the only marsupials found north of Mexico. That's a, just a fact. Um, not that <laughs> Do not even try to dispute that, Lizzie. <laughs> you not, will fail. It's not like it makes, like, whatever. That's not that interesting. But... Um, Okay, they can't choose when they play dead. They just Ooh, do it. And narcolepsy. there's a smell that goes along with the performance. Ew, that's not helping my case right now. Here's the thing. They <laughs> are super clean. They eat ticks. So Mar- they super s- clean. What? Marsupially clean. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Okay. Trying. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm trying to love these things. Yeah, they're super clean. They eat ticks, so they stop the spread of Lyme's disease, which is um, just horrifying. Uh, lots of It's friends. good that they're doing that. Horrifying. Lyme disease is horrifying, yes. to clarify for our listeners. Um, they have like incredible memories. They're immune to snake venom. They don't ever get rabies. So they'll live forever. Yeah, and they're like really social. And this is just a fun fact. And I'll probably turn everything around and make you hate them again. But the female opossum has two vaginal tracts and the males have like bifurcated penises. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of gross. But it's also probably really, um, you know, effective. Cut it out. Okay, so the point is, though, they do, I guess, having <laughs> having an opossum around your house is not a bad thing because they eat mosquitoes and ticks. And for me, any, it's like, you know, your enemy's enemy is your friend. Mm-hmm. So, case in so, point. So, you're saying we should get more. <laughs> We're going to have more because they have double the reproductive power, apparently, or chances. And oh, yeah. <laughs> And we've been feeding it for years, I guess, with our compost bin. That's true. I've, been put, I've also been putting a lot of... Um, dicks and mosquitoes in our compost bin. Dicks and mosquitoes. That's <laughs> I said dicks. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I was going to say I've been putting a lot of like aphrodisiac foods in the Oysters, compost bin. Oysters, chocolate, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of chocolate-covered strawberries in there. Romantic. Mm. Um. <laughs> well, cool. Thanks, Maggie. All right, well... You know, they're at least a little bit more nuanced and complicated than we give them credit for. They're not just rodents. People just think of them as, you know, roadkill. And they actually have this really complicated 
playing dead thing. Mm. I, I think that's interesting. I hate them. I'm so, really excited for like the uh, Netflix series about possums. Then. Uh, about their complicated inner lives of possums. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like an animated thing, but yeah. That yeah, that's what I'm picturing. Okay. Um, their yeah, relationship I just, issues. Anything that will, you know, make me a little less horrified of them or even just think of them differently, I'm, I'm in. So Yeah. No, definitely. Um, and I'm going to post some really great opossum content to our Facebook page, so get ready for that. And because their tails are disgusting but the rest of them isn't so bad. Do you think we could get in the business of uh, like possum tail covers? Is, that... is it like an invisibility cloak? Like what are you talking no, about? No, no, no. Uh, I'm assuming it'd be like an Etsy store. <laughs> it'd be different styles depending on the possum. But so some would be crocheted. Some would be leather. Some. You know, a lot of times in horror movies, it's scarier what you can't see. Uh-huh. And uh, I think that rule applies here. You would just be thinking about it. Yeah, I guess you're right. Even if you made, even if someone knit like a little stegosaurus tail for it, that would be fine. Maybe like a camouflage. Oh yeah, I like that. Yeah, I'm still going through the invisibility. You're cloak going for route. invisibility cloak. It's okay. I like it. <laughs> In which case, why don't we just make opossum jumpsuits? Right. Not it, jumpsuits for ourselves made out of opossums. <laughs> we want them to have like the predator cloaking device thing, where it, like it's it's basically a mirror suit where they can yeah. reflect the world around. <laughs> So you never see them coming until it's too late. Oh. Well, this is what you came here for, you guys. Mm. Possum content. Mm. Double dicks. <laughs> Double vag. Cut it out. <laughs> All right. Okay, Josh. Mm-hmm. It's time to talk about our movie. And this movie is Village of the Damned. 1995, starring Superman, Luke Skywalker, and operating Thetan level seven, um, yeah. Scientology master. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Kirstie Alley. Wow. Major players involved in this cinematic work of something. <laughs> <laughs> This movie came out in 95, and that's the same year that Christopher Reeve had his accident. Oh, my God. I know. Do you think these kids did it? I think they did. In fact, I know they did. (laughs) (laughs) Breaking news here, people. We should have a news alert. That's a button we'll get. (laughs) Um, Let's just read you got to read a summary because nobody knows what we're talking about. Everybody knows the cover from the video store, (laughs) but nobody knows what the movie's about because no one's seen it. And that's why we brought it to Mummy and Daddy. Make you guys watch this movie. It's a remake. Probably the original's better. Well, we may never know. Yeah, it's a fact. We hadn't seen it. All right. Take it away. Which one should I start with? I think you should read both and in order. They're both by the same person. So. Oh my God. I accidentally scrolled down to the synopsis. We're here at the Internet Movie Database. We're reading some summaries. A small town's... <laughs> A small town's women give birth to unfriendly alien children posing as humans. Rob Hartill. Thank you, Rob. 
Oh, good. There's a second entry. He was really trying to have great grammar by mm-hmm. saying give birth. Mm. But then it's the noun in the sentence. He's making it a small town. So it's like a small town's women give birth. Small it, town's women. It makes... It does. It is actually grammatically correct, but it's so awkward. He like went out of his way to make it the most awkward sentence. Yeah. Trying to do with as few words as possible. Rob? Unfriendly is really a gross understatement, but go ahead. That's the only... Also, like, big time plot spoiler there. Posing as <laughs> An American village is visited by some unknown life form, which leaves the women of the village pregnant. Nine months later, the babies are born, and they all look normal. But it doesn't take the, quote, parents long to realize that the kids are not human or humane. Rob Hartill. <laughs> like... did he he write them like three years apart and was like i got it i got it human or humane i got it just popped up out of bed (laughs) sweat dripping down his face his nightcap flopped over his forehead he just knew it he ran to his desktop computer and fired this off well he didn't could not bring himself to delete or have them take down his first one though his first draft no 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 he wanted to show growth right (laughs) Oh my god. Um beautiful. Thanks, Rob. You nailed it. So if you didn't watch the movie and you're listening to the episode today, you know everything right. <laughs> you need to know. All right. This movie could be a lot scarier. I don't think that you could really if you're a fan of horror or scary movies, thrillers even, I don't know if this movie would really qualify for those parameters it's not uh scary at all correct but there are so many good things and it's such a good setup that i really feel like it deserves a remake i mean i think i'm always going to be saying stuff like that because i love writing horror movies with little children in them Mm -hmm. but this was there are some really fucked up things that they do in this movie that the kids um the kids can basically just they have mind control mm-hmm. so they'll they've they make people kill themselves and hurt themselves and like the, at the end of the movie there's like a shootout between they like the police come and they're going to they've like surrounded the kids in this right. in this school or a barn or something it's a barn, barn yeah, school yeah, yeah. it's a school it's, yeah it's a classic barn school <laughs> and, um coastal california make, is full of barn schools and just like in x-men 2 they make all the cops kill themselves except it really happens. Yeah. It was like that stuff is really cool. The fact that they have it, the whole setup is, it makes sense that it was a like late fifties probably. And I think it was a was. play first. Yeah. Cause everything makes sure to mention that it is based on the thing, whether it's a play or a short story or whatever, it was a, it, it's so like that, early period sci-fi mm-hmm. of just like where yes there are like horrific elements because of what the implications might be if you know should this happen to should this befall society but otherwise yeah it is just um it's like pure setup almost yeah there's not really like a, yeah. a lot else to go on but it does make makes you understand why a john carpenter would want to remake it and try to make this thing like 
stick, especially in the 90s in like the X-Files era. Right. Like, you know, I think that people were in Independence Day. That's crazy to think about. Like Independence Day came out before this. The movie feels ancient. It does. Yes. Like it makes no sense. Like when you're watching it, it makes no sense that those actors are in it. Because if if you didn't recognize any actors from it, it could have been made like in the early 80s. Sure. It could have been in the 70s. It's not really like there's nothing. No. Not much. Again, because there's not much to it. Yeah. You'd hope for like a a kind of better creature reveal even this one has. But anyway. I'm fine with no creature reveal. I like how it's just like. It was like the alien thing in the like alien corpse or whatever. Yeah. That I'm kind of forgetting. But anyway. Oh, right. Yeah. There was. Well, no. Isn't that the kid that doesn't make it? Oh, that's the 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 baby that. That dies. The, the stillborn yeah. baby was that like, but like looks like an alien. Doesn't yeah. look like a. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. So. Yeah. The whole the whole town is at a fair in the very beginning. And everyone in the town faints. Yeah. And then when they wake up, like, it's like all six hours have passed. Yeah. And... I think it's like three hours even. Yeah. And anyone who's still alive, like one guy falls on a grill as he's grilling hot dogs and is totally incinerated. Do you remember that part? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. It was. I mean, it was. There was actually a lot of like crazy burns in this. A lot of burns. A lot of really intense. It should have been scary. Um, but I think that like, yeah, it just wasn't, I don't know, just wasn't handled with any sort of horror aspect. It was just right. sci-fi. Yeah. 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 Like it's, it's no, uh, scarier or more impactful than in like the beginning of Terminator two, when he flips the guy onto the stove in the, in the bar and grill where he gets yeah, his, uh, right. his outfit. It's, that's like a, it's more cringy. It's more like, oh, there's this like gross thing happening more mm-hmm. so than like. I'm scared by this where you really could have set up a lot of those moments in a different way. That'd be more, yeah. uh, more interesting. But I mean, I also, I did like that. Um, we got to see the, you know, the helium shortage turned deadly as that, the one guy who had to go to like two towns over to get a tank of helium for this party. Yeah. It's one of the only deaths. Yeah. Some people died in the fainting spell, but any woman who didn't die woke up pregnant. And nine months later, these kids are born and they're all just like little baby psychopaths and super smart and super um, robotic and emotionless. Very, yeah. And very quickly, their parents kind of take a back seat to parenting them and they kind of roam around town in this little pack. And yeah, it's clear that no one can control them. They right. have some loose respect for Christopher Reeves. Mm-hmm. And that is because he's a doctor. He's a doctor. He's a I mean, medical. I doctor. just mean like, is that why they right. don't? I don't. I can't remember if they really ever say why they like him or, or tolerate him. He's Superman. That's it. He's an alien himself. Right. <laughs> Which, Fuck. Yes. See. Canonical. Hide, hiding in plain sight. That's it. That would have been a fantastic twist. He's Superman. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's like an alien. Yeah, and he oh, if he was from another planet, yeah, I and like he had that. actually gone around and banged all those women while the everyone was. Oh, banged. that's yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, by banged I mean raped. Yeah, raped but... is the word you're looking for. <laughs> okay, um, my wife. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Uh, 
<laughs> I was thinking of this as more uh, another Predator reference, but more like, I guess, more Aliens versus Predator. <laughs> that oh. They're kind of chasing each other something there. around the galaxy hunting the other. That like the Predators seek out the Aliens to kill them. And so to this sounds them. like a sequel pitch. Let's do it. <laughs> I'll pitch you right now. Yeah, that there is that they go to their next colony to try to set up shop. Mm-hmm. But then that would be kind of awesome if you did it as like the thing that's in vogue right now, of which Watchmen sort of is. It's like kind of this soft reboot sequel thing where like mm-hmm. it kind of exists on its own. But like yep. if you do have some idea or uh, Fury Road, that was another good one like that. That mm. like it totally exists outside of the Mad Max universe, but at the same time with like these certain little things that make it um, possible that it's a sequel are actually just interesting and additive and not like right. stupid fan service. And yeah, something like that where then it turns out that Christopher Reeve role is someone. Yeah. It's just like an alien from another place is trying to protect earth in this case. Yeah. From- and you could, if you did it that way, we're really getting into the weeds here. Mm. Bear with us. If you did it that way, it would be like he set up the whole thing. Because at the end, this the barn school sets ablaze, and he could have like just faked everything. He dies with them in mm. the in the movie, but like really, they're probably like in some shell, protected, right. and they don't die. That's probably true. I like that. Yeah. Okay. That's that. Yeah, see, that's that's well, a... my next big project. Look out for Village of the Dam 2023. <laughs> it's going to be the name of it. Yeah, Village of the Dam 2023. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone wears sunglasses the whole movie. But it's going to be like Sea Lab. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um let's get into it. Okay. Let's stop pitching our sequels and our soft reboot glare up would you bring back dave davies to score the film okay now we both saw that dave davies was the composer of this film and we both were like is that dave davies is it that dave davies and we both were like must be now dave davies from the kinks dave davies for those who were wondering nope nope i was thinking of the npr fresh air interviewer This is why it's good to talk, you know? We just sometimes we don't get the opportunity to looked, talk to our spouses. Um, I looked him up and I was like, oh, Josh thought it was the guy from the Kinks. And it is his brother. It's Ray Davies' brother. Dave, Dave Davies. Davies. Yeah. They're both in the Kinks. They're both in the Kinks. But that's fucking crazy. And I thought it was Terry Gross's sometimes substitute on Fresh Air. I like my world better personally, but I guess... He just likes to play like just (laughs) loose guitar lines. I don't even think they let Dave Davies do it to picture. I think they were just like, it's like, um, it's a hundred minutes long. Just let's go. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. They made the movie to his soundtrack actually. (laughs) Certainly possible. Oh my god! It's only seventy-two. So, so before we uh, get into the movie, because Mark Hamill's character in this movie is completely meaningless, I just want to say, anybody who's not following Mark Hamill on Instagram, you've made a mistake. Hamill himself is a great account. 
Yeah, it is. We're probably not going to talk about his character at all because it was uh, completely irrelevant, but hot tip. Yeah, and based on watching even just the trailer for the original version of this film, it looks like a completely identical role to the original, which is like mm-hmm. not very exciting in the least. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, but it's really too bad. Um, and I think it's really something that Mark Hamill's only really finally like coming out of. Maybe I think if he wanted to, is like being an actor and other stuff that people won't always just be like, he's Luke Skywalker. I don't feel sorry for him, so I'm all set. Like he's fine. Oh, he's certainly fine. He's a voice. He's a famous voice actor. Like he oh, yeah. actually That's got to be like the Joker and all these cool roles. He's fine. I have no. I you might say I have no empathy. Ooh, you're a village of the damned. <laughs> I get that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't. I don't feel sorry for him. He's doing great. Legendary actor lived a great life and still continues to he's not dead um (laughs) and has a great instagram account um first thing that really grabbed me from this movie Mm -hmm. was when all of the women who had been raped by aliens essentially were pregnant and in their lamaze class so my problem with it is how those lamaze classes are portrayed in movies it's like men have never clearly never been to a birth class which is oh, what yeah. we call them now but the mamas is actually pretty similar to the birth class that we took it's- oh that's cool because i i mean i remember at some point learning that it, that was just like a method which of course makes sense you know right. like that that but never really thought about it since it felt like it kind of died out with when like full house went off the air right nobody ever said the word lamaze class ever again right And it's always a group of women laying on their back with like a pillow between their knees Mm -hmm. and their partner is like holding their head or like sitting nearby and the woman is breathing in some, you know, ridiculous way. (laughs) Yeah, some rhythmic way. And I was reading up about Lamaze Mm. and there are actually, it's like, it's based on six healthy birth practices and um one (laughs) um and it's all stuff that you know it's wasn't specifically laid out in our birth class but it's all things that we the reason we took the birth class which is like letting labor begin on its own walking around or changing positions during labor bringing a loved one or a doula for continuous support avoiding interventions that are not medically necessary Avoid giving birth on your back and follow your body's urge to push and then keep the mother and baby together. Like afterwards. That's Lamaze? That those are the six healthy birth practices of Lamaze. And Shout it, out Dr. L. Way yeah. to go. Yeah. And like it bothers me that like every single portrayal of Lamaze is that image. It's so annoying and trite and not real. Cause like for most of our birth class, we were seated. And then like the last 10 minutes, we would do some sort of like partner exercise where right. we're like, I had to hold a ice cube right. for a very long time. And just, it was very hard to do. Yeah. Just to simulate the discomfort. Yeah. Like, like knowing that you can't simulate the pain or sensation of it, but just that like. Like it's going to be over soon. Mm-hmm. Just deal with it. And mm-hmm. then like help have your partner help you. 
Right. It was very helpful. Completely. And I mean, it would always be about, especially that thing about trying different positions, because that the thing that got me in this movie is that scene where then they're all finally laboring and like giving birth and there's just like lined up Mm -hmm. in these in this in the barn and they are all on their backs in hospital beds with Mm -hmm. like husband at their shoulder or whatever and which just seems insane that's all you know what is also insane that you can't really reference the Cosby show dream episode where he dreams that he gives birth to a giant hoagie. Oh my God. You're right. And I, can I read you a note that I, that I had about the stillborn baby in the Please do. Kirstie Alley is carrying around that stillborn baby like a sub. <laughs> oh my God. See, it's just in the zeitgeist. Oh my God. She was certainly channeling it in that. It was like a six incher though from subway not like the giant hoagie on the cosby show no yeah his is truly a dream hoagie it was you know a bit of a night nightmare um you know what you can reference though is the will ferrell skit where he comes out as a grown man and uh, we will be posting that to the facebook because it is a treasure and you deserve it it's a great one um i'm happy to bring it back to that (laughs) okay I'm so glad you brought this up about Lamaze. This gets at a whole thing that we, I feel like we could make a list of the things that we hate. Full stop. Yeah. We can make a list of things we hate. <laughs> Here's the list of the people we want to go. No, uh, there's a list of things in movies that are really trite, incredibly inaccurate, but are completely unavoidable. Like if you see a woman vomit in a movie, she is pregnant. Should someone ever cough into a handkerchief, they certainly have cancer. If it's blood. If it's yeah, if it's and, blood. And usually yeah, if they if they cough into a handkerchief into their hand and take it away and look at it. At that point, even if they for some reason didn't show the small blood splatter, you can assume. Yeah, you can they're assume. not just looking at their boogers. Right. <laughs> Those things are really pervasive. It's crazy. And then definitely everything with labor. It's just like my water broke. Let's go to the hospital. Like all this yeah. stuff that's just like at this point, the number of people creating stuff part of the creative process in a movie who have had children right is so massive that everyone would be like no this is still shorthand for baby coming out right is bonkers even in 1995 i mean this was six years after look who's talking came out you would think kirstie alley would know (laughs) a lot about (laughs) learned her lesson (laughs) could have brought lamaze the world talk about alien babies (laughs) Are the babies aliens? I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The overacting in this movie, it was so fun to watch for me. Yeah. Like, Kirstie Alley, I almost wish she had just dialed it up a little bit more, and then it would have been a farce. Yeah, that's true. Because, like, yeah, because she was almost good in this. She was. Yeah, she was almost good. Better than anything else I've ever seen her in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I watched Cheers as a child. Not me. (laughs) it's uh it's a show set in boston everybody knows your name norm is there frazier's there wait a minute i thought you didn't watch the show (laughs) i just read a lot about it (laughs) i read a lot of cheers novelizations (laughs) (laughs) the point is you don't have to labor on your back 
birth class is awesome. Our birth class was great. It was, if anyone lives in the Los Angeles area, it's called Imagine Your Birth. And it was all about those six healthy birth practices. Yeah, the title is not good. I don't know. I don't like the title. I don't like no. saying it. It's really... Birth. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like saying the word birth. I mean, it is a terrible word as well. But Imagine Your Birth is just not... It almost turned me off completely to the whole thing. But yeah, it's a midwife who's been doing it for like 30 years who teaches it. And it's a 10-week class, which is pretty intense. because Everybody most... rolls their eyes at that. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. But for me, it was really important because I was terrified of birth. So yeah. much so, I equated it to my fear of death as a, such a close second. I remember thinking of it with the same dread. Like, But I really wanted to have kids. And I was also... Very, very squeamish, and I was very scared of doing an epidural because the the thought of being numb was so terrifying to me. And so I thought I have no choice but to do this without an epidural, if possible. So our friends who had just had a baby recommended this birth class, and it was very, very helpful for me to spend a lot of time, kind of like learning all about every part of it every part of labor every part of birth you know just like really and then also it was kind of like therapy because like couples therapy because we would go together and we would drive home and talk about all the other weirdos in the class oh yeah Um, so many of you (laughs) we would talk about all the stuff that happened you know like we would be able to decompress and it was like a nice long thing Definitely. It, it, yeah, yeah. it was it was great. And the fact that it it lasted so long to me was actually like part of what made it really awesome because that's what helped me digest a lot of the information, especially as the person not experiencing the actual labor. And I think it was also a good amount of time to just, yeah, to start to process it all as it's coming and yeah. just to feel the whole point, which is like to feel confident going into the labor part of it that like you know what you want you don't feel like like you're just pushed out of a plane and someone just like read you a bunch of you know like rules or suggestions and then they're just like okay go bye and then like right because like an hour or two hour class would not have done it for me like it almost would have been more scary just like you said so yeah that was very very helpful um and it turned out to be both of my births <laughs> the kids births uh were Pretty short. Carol's been reborn. <laughs> pretty short, but also pretty intense. I almost had Wu in the car. Yes. Very close to having him in the car. So it was its own crazy story, as every birth is sort of like a war story. But I'm very lucky that like I got to have the births that I wanted for the most part. And you don't get to choose how things go down, but knowing all of your options and knowing like what leads to what was so invaluable to me. It was so great. Yeah, that that was exactly it. It's like you just, yeah, you don't know what scenario you're going to walk into, but having the information in hand to know like what is in your control, what isn't, what you do when blank happens and so on. It was it was great. The room that the birth class was uh, held in every week was some sort of community center. And there were these giant blown up photos on the wall. Like professional portraits. That the only thing I can equate it to is um, like in Royal Tenenbaums, the motorcycle painting, like how incredibly distracting they were. Yes. Oh, um, completely. If anyone ever saw the uh, soap opera Passions. <laughs> go on. What? 
there was a, a little person in Passions that was like a doll come to life and had like big glove hands. It was basically like if that character was sitting in a grand piano was like one of one of the photos. Yeah. I ha- so I took, you know, I took a photo of that. So I'm going to post it to okay, our, great. our Instagram. I'll ask if uh, Andy and Elizabeth have any, if they took any photos. I wouldn't put it past Andy to take photos of. I would think so. Yeah. He just I wish I had taken more, but I got the I got the kid at the piano for sure. That's the most important piece yeah. of this equation. Great. <laughs> One thing I will say about this movie that was very much in its favor that I felt like was ahead of its time or at least current with the times was that Kirstie Alley's character as sort of the lead government agent scientist in this as part of their pitch to the townspeople about why they should keep these babies because there's a lot of interest from the government and they're going to give them these stipends and whatever was also to just as matter of factly offer abortion as an option to offer them the option to terminate the pregnancy and i actually have that as a clip look i i don't want you to interpret this allowance as some sort of a pressure it isn't it's your decision and if you decide to terminate then of course you have the right to do that. And you can do it privately, or if financially unable, a medical team will be brought in next week. The choice is yours. I mean, like the peas and carrots from the audience, they're a little more intense than normal, but uh, otherwise I thought- Also, like, can you imagine if you're the one person who's like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to do this. Yeah, (laughs) last person i yeah you would you would have been murdered by the mm. alien siblings that would have come you mm. wouldn't have known that but yeah. otherwise i mean i like just as a as sort of a, a speech i mean it's quite detailed it's not said as like a throwaway line just right. sort of like here are your options yeah it was a very realistic right i felt moment. just set it up a little bit the kirstie alley is like this doctor from what is she even she says like i can't remember supposed to be from national institutes of health or, or yeah, something may, like the world science foundation yeah something like yeah. <laughs> and she keeps saying her title yeah she's like brought in to deal with the situation and then you real you realize it's shown later on that she's and a team of people have kind of orchestrated this thing right mm-hmm. or something like it's happening in other towns too yeah yeah, yeah. like they know they know exactly what yeah. is going on they've been so, there before right so She's kind of like the outside person who's brought the, the expert. I think it's it's funny that she offers that because it's clearly not what she wants at all. Like, I wonder if it would have happened. You know, like, I wonder if they would have kind of like the clinics that are set up as fake, like abortion clinics, but they mm-hmm. counsel people out of it, you know? Like, oh, I wonder Because, yeah. like, yeah. Oh, right. If someone had actually taken taken that on and said, like, oh, actually, that would be really helpful because mm-hmm. as enticing as an extra 36 grand a year would be to take care of this child, I don't think I'm actually able to do it. And so if you could also pay for this procedure, that would be great. Mm-hmm. And then they would just, yeah, probably do everything in their power to talk her out of it. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. And so maybe even just like, yeah, that whole setup would see again, something you could explore in a really cool way in another version of this movie. How does this square with Scientology and Kirstie Alley? Like, what the fuck? I don't know if they care if like as actors if they actually like but i wonder if she was like drawing on her alien religion to like have inspiration for this character it's possible yeah i mean she was a member for like almost 20 years at this point 
fucking bonkers. I know. <laughs> so that's kind of crazy. Yeah. You want to talk about something else parenting related? So after the kids are born, they are all like baptized together. And then like even as babies, they've got the mind control. Like a toddler basically like kills her mom. She burns oh, right. her arm. But then a she. Huge pot of soup. That is like a gnarly thing. It is. But it brings us actually to a segment we like to call scary good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Thanksgiving is right around the corner, as we all know. You're going to be doing a lot of cooking in the kitchen. Hopefully. Gobble, gobble. Or somewhere else, maybe on a, a grill. propane grill. <laughs> oh, you might you might fry a turkey. Oh, sure. But that's not what I'm talking about here. We like to have the kids help us cook, if possible. It can be a little dicey. They're still pretty young, but we like to give them some access to the counter Despite what the rye method has to say about that, we like them to see what we're doing. And our kids really love to smell spices and pour in ingredients. Mm -hmm. So we got this stair set. It's called Little Partners. And it's quite a solid piece of furniture, honestly. Like it's pretty heavy wood and it's rather large, but it has like handrails. Mm -hmm. And it's non-slip. We have a step stool in the kitchen as well, just for like getting up to those hard to reach um, shelves but the little partners thing it's not an eyesore and you can kind of we leave it out in the bathroom and kind of take it where it needs to go and the kids can just like very sturdily stand up and they can actually both fit on it it's kind of like wide enough for two little ones yeah and it, it, the back of it's flat so it can be flush with the counter which is i think really good and it has like a little bit of a railing in front of it as well so like it's sturdy for them to to stand on in a situation where, yeah, there might be hot things or breakable things nearby or sharp things, whatever else. And you can also eventually lower the top step so it becomes one flat landing that yeah. you can stand on. where it's, So it's only like six inches off the ground or whatever that would end up being when the kids are taller, but not quite tall enough to be yeah doing stuff effectively. And it's solid enough that it will actually last. We've already had it for a few years at this point. Because of that, I think it's a pricier object than just a plastic step stool but yeah it's a it's a goodie yeah it's like a piece of furniture so the kids are already wreaking havoc and killing people and being super naughty throughout their childhood so there's like a jump in time to when they're like eight nine yeah that sounds right they're still young but not. yeah they're preternaturally smart and well-spoken mm -hmm. so it's a little hazy as to how old they are they're very small but yeah some of them kind of seem like teenagers and some seem like babies but they're all the exact same age and that age we'll say is like yeah it's six or eight they're school age yeah they're school age so when that jump happens it's like the whole town all these adults have just taken a step back from these kids and they're super awkward around them right they're all afraid of them yeah, they're afraid. Yeah, they know that they have a power. Everybody's totally aware of it. They just don't interact very well at all with the kids. And I just thought it was interesting how we all can feel that way sometimes mm. around kids. Even like your kids' friends who you may have known for years or just like, you know, nephews and nieces where you inevitably will make some comment like, gosh, you're getting tall or something that's like so inaccessible for a kid. Yeah. But it's just a thing that happens. And the older you get, even if you remember being a kid and hating it, it's so hard to avoid. Oh, yeah. The last time I saw you, 
you were blank. Yeah. And then you're like, yeah, reminiscing with the parent about mm-hmm. something that they did when they were a baby. Like, who cares? Yeah. So Josh has a 16-year-old brother. And I came like into the family around, you know, like or whenever I started meeting your family when yeah. uh, Caleb was four. Right. So, which is almost how old Wu is. So I have all these memories of Caleb when he was so little and just watching him grow up now. He's about to take his driver's test. It's so hard not to do it. And like, I remember saying something um, to him or like we were all talking about something he funny he did when he was a kid, which there were many. Mm -hmm. He was a hilarious. Funny kid. Yeah. Yeah. He's a hilarious kid. And I could just like see his eyes glaze over and I was like, oh God, I've done it. Yeah. Cause it feels condescending too. You mm-hmm. know, like kids know it's just like, all right, so what, what are we even doing here? Yeah. It's like, like cool. why, why are you saying, are you saying this to like yeah. belittle me? Or are you saying this to right. like for your own benefit? Like it was totally, you know. it, it. the other reason why I feel like that happens is I was just trying to like make him realize that like I've been around for that long yeah you know like he doesn't even remember probably yeah he, doesn't like, remember a time before you yeah that's really interesting it's also funny to talk about caleb because he is also like mature beyond his years and always has been that's true and it's funny to talk about it like with these kids like, <laughs> <laughs> is caleb an alien is all i'm saying yes yeah, it's, it's impossible hopefully but... he's listening and can chime in give yeah, us let a call. us know 818 <laughs> Eight three nine one nine nine one, which is not the year you were born, but close to it. That's true. You could no. He was born in the two thousand. Yeah. No, Uncle Matt was born closer to nineteen ninety one. Yeah, give us a call, or you know, my phone number will do too. Write us, write us a a typed letter. That's more Uncle Caleb style. That's true. Please do. He knows our address. Oh, but so, yeah, I mean, on the subject of this kind of like awkwardness around kids that you can't stave off, you can't help. That is also, it's a very, is a very natural thing and very unavoidable in certain ways. It's just weird to watch it where like all of the adults are completely cowed by these children. Um, Yeah. And so it makes those interactions that much more insane, you know, but it is, I mean, that same timidness, the same kind of walking on eggshells around a kid when you're just trying to be like, I like your pants. And they're like, yeah, they're just pants. You know, like right. there's a little bit of like, I think that is more for the the teenagers in the audience of just like, I would imagine it happens more at that age, but we're like, we're starting to get a little bit more of that from our woo already because it's just the older they get and the smarter they get, the more they just like have their own, you know, the more questioning they are of everything, the more you're kind of like, you do start to see them gain independence and sort of step away. I think with the awkwardness with kids, with talking to kids, it's like less is more, but mm-hmm. not so less that you're not parenting them and they're walking around town with a like with matching gray trench coats and the same haircut. Yeah. Um, but I think like w- from an they're outside, acting like they're in an alien gang. Yeah, is a problem. Yeah, alien gang was the alternate title of this movie um but yeah so one of the kids in the alien gang he is susceptible to empathy which none of the other kids are because his mom actually like parents him and instills this or tries to in him and it and it strikes a chord and he 
is the kind of the the weak link in the alien gang. Right. Yeah. And it's all revealed because like she, she also communicates some of her emotions and like thoughts about that yeah. to this. We have a clip. There's no need for you to become emotional. I'm old enough to do things for myself. And that cut to the very core of me. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, our children have yet to say there's no need to become emotional. But like, yeah, the things you already see the the moves toward those moves towards independence where they are able to do things themselves that you want to do for them. They're part of your parenting. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like from sort of like more of the beginning of the movie before the kid is like really heavily, Mm -hmm. you know, exploring his empathetic feelings. Right. It's that scene is the beginning of it. There's shortly thereafter. It's like a whole thing where she where he says something along the lines of if other people hurt i should feel their pain i I can feel their pain like i know what that's like so i should be able to yeah connect with them you know today there are actually empathy training classes for kids and adults for like in the corporate world Hmm. it's a whole thing we'll put a link up on the old facebook podcast page about empathy training but if you haven't heard of it you're probably a psychopath so (laughs) You're not getting those targeted ads like the rest of us. <laughs> All right. I think it's time to rate the movie. Well, let's do it. All right. So movie overall. Mm-hmm. How many plat <laughs> Go ahead. How many platinum bobs do you give this movie? <laughs> um out um out of uh uh twelve. Twelve being the best. Uh, I don't know. Half dozen. Yeah, that's fair. I understand that. But yeah, like not offensively bad. Not It's not cheesy where it could have been. Some solid core concepts. I understand why you'd want to remake this movie in your own time and in your own era and, well, <laughs> and on take, your own schedule. I'll, I'll take my time with it. <laughs> um, but it was not special and not great. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I can't give it below a six and i can't give it above a six so i'm gonna give it a six as well okay great well should, then are oh. we rating the kids yeah. how many stock pots are you going to give these children how many boiling pots of bisque are you? <laughs> what kind of bisque is in there though i think it was more of a vegetable soup she i believe she was chopping vegetables and tossing them in there and then before she's could it be like a potato leek like a creamy vegetable soup? i think i saw carrots i'm gonna say it was i'm gonna go as a split pea chicken noodle oh god all right out of how many five um i actually thought the kids were great in this movie they did a really good job of being super annoying like you really they were also brutal and um just murderous little aliens so you hated them but they were annoying as well mm. i thought that served the plot especially uh mara i think her name is like the the girl she was really like the leader um yeah, christopher reed's daughter leader of the yeah so i'm gonna give them like three and three quarters stock pots of chicken noodle soup chicken, okay or chicken and rice either way <laughs> i don't no, know thank you i don't want you crazy people eat um cool yeah I, yeah, they were they were good. They did well. I'm gonna go three stock pots because they just weren't compelling. That just I, yeah, because there wasn't 
It wasn't scary, but at the same time, the stakes were clear. The stakes were so clear. There was nothing, there was no question. Yeah. There was no real suspense of what would happen. We all knew what would happen. But like, it was very obvious they were in control, like meaning like their iron grip on the adults was very clear. And so I liked that. That to me is like the biggest indicator of like, job well done. You were scary in an unscary situation. Mm. Oh. Mm. That's a good Michael mm. Bobaro. Mm. Mm. Here's what else you need to know today. <laughs> that brings us right into, just rolling right into. It's Mummy and Daddy's Totally Awesome. Where are they now? All right. So, yeah, the little boy who is the weak link, who feels feelings. Ben? Ben. Thomas Decker. Well, first of all, the, this movie was kind of like a kingmaker here. Whoa. Ch- child actors. In that they all pretty much are working still. Like, this was the 90s. See, I expect them to be older, but no, they're not. They're Oh, right. Yeah. They're like 30. Right. <laughs> but yeah, Thomas Decker has been in so many things. And he was, historically, the first person to play the role of John Connor that was born after the movie was made. So weird. So, so weird. So what movie? Rise of the Machines? It's actually the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Oh, okay. That show. But yeah, I mean, he's played, he was on tons and tons of shows, Seinfeld, Caroline in the City, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids TV show, which I never even knew was a show. You missed out. I guess so. Kept and... shrinking them and shrinking them and shrinking them down. <laughs> it was like Ant-Man. <laughs> um, yep. Call them Ant-Men. Except the ant in the original Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was... Uh, played by? Thomas Decker. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so... His like trivia section on IMDb yeah. is so insane. And I don't understand why people keep this stuff up. He sings, writes music, plays guitar, and is currently recording an alternative rock album. Oh, boy. His best friends are Michaela, Aldo, Ben, Jessica, and Sandy. He had hippie parents. His role model is River Phoenix, and he is really obsessed with River Phoenix. It so, says that? No, but he's, oh. I'm just saying from other, pers- one of the personal quotes on his IMDb pages, I watched all of River Phoenix's films. I thought he did some really revolutionary stuff for his age, which is true. But wow, this is just on your, like, what? I guess I'm just, I would, I'm so private. I would never put anything like this in, no, especially in this form. I would never. No, that shit would be on lock. You better believe it. So anyway, he's doing quite well. He's fine. He's still, he's like in pre-production on something. Good for him. La-di-da. So, <laughs> well, this kind of does get back to, I guess, how I feel about these kids. I'm not like, if he wasn't working, would I be sad or mad? If it turned out he was also on a show that I like now, would I be like, huh? Well, Mara was on True Blood. Hmm. Yeah. She's been in a bunch of things. Uh, she's also in like... Like a recurring role in True Blood? Yeah. She was uh, She was Hadley Hale. Hmm. I'd have to see a picture I uh, didn't like that show. <laughs> you really liked the first season, though. Until the season finale, which I've never... It's one of the only shows I can ever think of that I was just like, fuck this, I am out. I know. After yeah. that episode. Yeah. But then it was confirmed because I watched like the first couple of episodes of season oh, yeah. two and I really hated it. Uh, sorry, everybody. I know you all love their true blood. She was in a movie called Shrooms. Okay. Uh, in 2007. So she's fine. Great. Um. 
but yeah, I mean, she's still acting. She's not as lucrative as uh, or lucrative in demand, illustrious as mm. Thomas Decker. <laughs> Who is though? <laughs> few, few of us I'll tell you that. Um, we all know what happened to Christopher Reeve. Kirstie Alley is uh, a sad person to me personally. Mm-hmm. Besides her Scientology um, work belief um the whole like jenny craig thing with kirstie alley just makes me really sad like she she gained and lost so much weight in so many years and it's just so depressing and like doesn't she have some whole other now she has her own like weird weight loss supplements business because there was yeah because like a storefront in los Feliz. yeah it's a scientology connected thing yeah mark hamill's doing great um crushing on instagram yeah and uh another star wars movie coming at you more Joker work coming at you. The rest of their kids went back to their home planet. <laughs> They're doing and fine. Until we summon them again. So we hope you enjoyed Village of the Damned, or maybe we saved you from ever having to watch it. Either way, it's over now. Much like this episode. So hey, don't be a creep. Get in touch. Email mummyxdaddy at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook at mummyxdaddy. We're on Instagram at mummyxdaddypod. You can leave us a voicemail at 818 818- 839-1991 that's 818-839-1991 if you like what you hear please leave us a rating and review on apple podcasts or wherever you listen tell your friends sign them up grab their phones subscribe them our theme music is by kyle andrews our logo was designed by daryl weinberg maggie spalding is the perfect one piece capsule wardrobe bye Why do you think your own survival depends upon emotion from us? Should we pity you? Empathize with your plight? You should feel! You should feel something! Without feelings, you're nothing. You're just second-rate mimics of a higher organism. That's right, a higher organism. We're your superiors in our capacity to love. Without compassion, you're a doomed species. Emotion is irrelevant. It is not our nature.